Today's episode is all about gear, let's say, associated with fitnessing, working out, what's needed, what's not needed, and maybe we can kind of illuminate the the fog of war associated with some of these things. And I I can't think of a better person. I almost feel like I'm going to have to play oh, devil's boy. advocate because you're such a fitness minimalist <laughs> that I feel like everything we talk about is going to get shot down. So I might try to I might try to yeah. play the other side. We'll we'll see. Here, I think you, that's facts. Yeah, I, I'm, I'm very much a pragmatist when it comes to this. So that might be the uh, the best like caveat emptor uh, up front is that um, you know I in my personal training I tend to favor. Whatever is on my person at the time is about all the support gear that I'm going to have and all the support gear that I'm going to need. That doesn't mean that my opinion has to, uh, you know, influence anybody else to make that same decision. But yeah, I think generally you're going to have a hard sell from old Bosman on a lot of these uh, (laughs) pieces that we talk about. And to be clear, when we talk, the, the topic for today is supporting gear. So we're not talking about, hey, what kind of critical equipment do you need, like a barbell and a dumbbell, things like right. that. But supporting gear that people tend to um, fall in love with as they get deeper and deeper into training. And then little by little, you can't work out without it. That's right. Little by little, it becomes a camping trip. Every time you go to the gym, you see it happen. You got people with with an overnight bag just to get in a 45-minute workout. Oh, yeah. So we'll, uh, we'll dive down this spectrum of gear that might range from um, some people think mission critical to others, you know, not at all, just a, a nicety to, like you're saying, support. So here... Here we go. And I'm sure that there will be something that we forget or omit. So let us know in the comments. And I'm sure this is going to be a polarizing uh, discussion here. Yeah, the third category is not yet invented because that that is a big one too. People love to invent the latest and greatest little accoutrement that you never knew existed a week before, but now cannot train without. So that's the third category. There's no, (laughs) pardon me. And I'm sorry if I if I cough during the broadcast. My three wonderful children have have given me a little bit of a cold. Uh, Adrian finished out a class day with 50 cals for time on the Oof. air bike, so he might have a bit of a Fran cough going on. So oh, we yeah. apologize. <laughs> so let's start with Olympic lifting shoes. Adrian, the ball's in your court. Okay, this is a nice kind of low pitch across the center of home plate. Olympic lifting shoes, I think, are on the spectrum of things that actually have a place in most people's toolkit. Okay. They're really useful when you're lifting heavy. They create a really nice, strong, stable platform to lift off of. They're a little bit more forgiving if you're still working on some of the flexibility required for, you know, a deep front squat, for example, or a deep overhead squat. So I think that they do have a lot of utility. Um, you could even make the argument that just due to safety, the stability that they offer, it's worthwhile. The other hand of that, in my opinion, is if that's the only way that you can be comfortable lifting, there might be something in your fitness that needs to be addressed that isn't being. And if it's a Band-Aid solution for that, then you might want to look under the hood and make sure you resolve that. Um, so, yeah, I think I think Olympic lifting shoes have a place. I think they're, like I said... On the, on the spectrum of usefulness, they're pretty useful. Uh, but like all of these kind of training bits and pieces here, don't let them mask an issue that's underlying. 
Yes, nobody has ever looked at me and said, there's a flexible human being with a posture that I'd like to replicate. <laughs> and so I will say, although, oddly, I have decent dorsiflexion, you know, so I had my, my air squat was relatively upright, even in flat shoes because of that. However, as, so you got the, them years, ankles. as the years have crept by, um, that has decreased a little bit. And, you know, I've been uh, open and honest, got hurt in the military, got plates and screws holding my, my pelvis together. So my right hip as time has gone by, that just doesn't get better with time. I mean, you know, mm -hmm. I, I keep it good with a range of motion, but it's it tightens up as the decades pass. And so I have found that I work out the overwhelming majority of the time not in Olympic lifting shoes. But if I happen to, like today, as a matter of fact, I have to do a seven by one back squat. If when I warm up today, I'm going to see how I feel when I warm up and yeah. how my, my posture is during the warm up. And if it is I got a bit too much forward inclination in my chest. The ankles and hips aren't kind of feeling that good. I'm going to go ahead and throw on the old dancing boots, you know, get under the barbell. Yep. And it's going to help me get more vertical. It's going to lead to a nicer day in the gym and all that sort of stuff. But I don't, even with the injuries that I've had to my body, I don't always have them as my absolute have to go to every time that a certain movement comes up. I kind of just try to pay attention to how I'm feeling that day. And I've personally prefer to move without them because I also feel like having some loading in my body and going down in those positions helps keep me limber and stretch me out a little bit. And so there's kind of two sides to that. I will say not only the hips and shoulders, again, excuse me, the hips and ankles, but also <laughs> I'm just a, I'm just a mess. <laughs> but you know, my motorcycle wrecks I've had, I've got terrible shoulders, terrible overhead position, where I have a tough time getting my hands directly over my midline, they might be out in front. So if I'm doing a heavy overhead squat day or a squat snatch day or something like that, well, since my torso tends to be a bit inclined to begin with, the hands are then, if they're over my head, really far out in front, that's not good for keeping a barbell over the middle of my foot. So if I can elevate the heel a bit, it gets my torso a bit more upright, helps bring my arms back a little bit more, and that can be really helpful to me. But I like to think I've got a couple more dents in the fender than the average human mm. being. So that's city being, miles, if you will. Some city miles, if you will. <laughs> so that being said, you know, I use them judiciously, even with all the, the things that I have going on. So I would hope that a lot of people aren't just going to them all the time, no matter yeah. what, even though they absolutely serve, uh, they serve a wonderful purpose for sure. And they have a place. I think that's a really good point to sit on for a second is this idea of context specific as well. You mentioned a one rep max heavy load, not much else going on. That's a really good choice to put on some lifters and give yourself every advantage to hoist some iron. On the other hand, if you have a light bar, let's say you're somebody that can clean 300 pounds and today's workout is calling for power cleans at 95 pounds and there's some other stuff in the mix, it's probably not as necessary that you're strapping up the, uh, the boots to get right. that bar uh, up to the shoulder. So I think that's a really important factor too, is what else is going on within this workout and how important is this addition? Um, so that's something to consider. And I'll say too, we've discussed scaling in a past episode. And one of the things that I brought up there was this idea where 
if you get locked into one approach when you're scaling, you kind of miss the point because the idea is to move you forward and progress you past your current limitation until eventually you get to this point where you can, you can do whatever it was that you were scaling for, or at least get closer to it. Um, mm -hmm. So I, I reference this green band syndrome where somebody says, pull up, and immediately you just think green band, that's what I'm doing. But there's not really any thought to progression. I, I think the same thing can happen with support equipment. You know, somebody says heavy squat and you just think Olympic lifting shoes and that's, that's it. There's, it's like a right. knee jerk. There's no longer any assessment of, do I need them today? Is there something else that uh, is in this workout? What else goes into this choice? Uh, it just becomes automatic. And I think at that point, when you're automatic about these things, that's when you have to stop and kind of reassess. And also, I guess it depends on our audience as well. I, Absolutely. I make the assumption that most people listening to this are just recreational CrossFit athletes. However, there could be somebody listening to this who is on the USA weightlifting team and they Olympic lift sure. for a living, yeah. a different category of people. You know, your sponsor, yeah. you're putting food on the table. That half a kilo is a huge, I mean, so again, kind of know where you are, what camp you're in. And then the level of fanaticism that you should place <laughs> on any of these particular yeah. pieces of equipment. Well, and I'll say, okay, if, if we want to play that kind of clarification game, then I'll, I'll say explicitly, I am viewing this almost exclusively through the lens of the generalist. Yes, for if sure. If we're yes. talking about somebody who is, you know, squatting a thousand, that's a different scenario. Sure, but yeah. I, that's not who we're talking about here. No, or at least fair. that's not who I'm talking about. That's how we'll frame the conversation. The yeah. old, The old generalist. Okay. Good with Olympic lifting shoes. Yeah. Okay. All right. Do you own a set? I do. Okay. I haven't. Uh, I, I tell you, I can't remember the last time I brought them out. Well, that's because um, you have the flexibility of Gumby. <laughs> this is true. <laughs> I, would, yeah. I would kill for this flexibility. But yeah, yes, but I have a set as well. I haven't strapped them up in a while, but I do have them. And I do like them when I do use them. And okay. So let's move on to the next category, the weight belt. Ah, uh, the old weight belt. This is a very uh, controversial one. I almost feel like there's a flavor of the month where you'll be perusing the internet, just innocently looking at ways to improve your fitness. And one month, it'll be weight belts are the devil. And then the next month, it'll be everybody should be wearing a weight belt. Or here's the you know top five reasons you should have a weight belt. And it mm -hmm. seems like it's almost talking about nutrition where there's so much information about it that it's hard to kind of pick where you want to go. Um, so generally speaking, I think the weight belt has a place, again, when you're getting right up to the limit of what you can lift, and it's a one rep max, heavy, heavy, heavy kind of effort. Um, I think that's got some legs. Uh, I think that most people start to think about the weight belt in the context of, oh, I'm a little bit tweaked. Or, oh, my back is a little bit tired today. I should therefore put a belt on mm. and go for it. And in my opinion, that's a terrible idea because what you're doing is trying to put a Band-Aid on a situation where your body is actively telling you, hey, man, today's not the day. Right. And you should listen to that, especially if you're thinking about training in the long term. So weight belts can be great once in a while. <laughs> I don't think that you should be in the habit of doing it all the time. Ultimately, what you're trying to do is create that same effect where your musculature becomes the weight belt. You can create that intra-abdominal pressure on command and keep your spine stable. That's the ideal. And 
that's what a lot of your training should be focused around when you're lifting heavy. The weight belt acts as kind of a complement to that at certain times, but it should not be a replacement for it. And again, if all you're doing is every time you approach the bar, you're strapping yourself up and you never develop the skill to do it without, that to me is a real limitation when you get outside the gym and you don't have access to something like that. Now what? So well, I, definitely a time, but not all the time. I think you hit one of the most important nails in the head, and that is, <coughs> pardon me, nothing worse than coughing during a broadcast, <laughs> that wearing a weight belt does not magically protect your back. Right. It, it, it has no special fairy dust in it or whatnot. If you don't know how to brace your midline, you're not going to strap on the weight belt and be good to go. So please don't confuse those two. Learning how to brace, whether you're wearing a belt or not wearing a belt, should be mission critical in general. So let's get that out mm -hmm. of the way. You know, it's also very common for some people, be it in CrossFit or not, to if they do like the lifting belt and they're looking for some rough guidelines, some people won't put it on for a squat or a dead until they get maybe at 80% or above of their, you know, one rep max. It's not a traditionally, not traditionally used in a lower loading sort of a deal. And there can be a difference between flexible belts versus big, thick sort of powerlifting belts that don't mm -hmm. allow you to move quite as well, which is why you won't see people wearing those belts in general, snatching and things like that. So kind of know if you are going to wear a belt that it's the right one for whatever it is that you want to do. And it's funny because, like you said, there is sort of a flavor of the month. Belts were the, you know, again, they go up, they go down, they go up, they go down. I remember a couple of years ago, you know, got a belt, got a belt, got a belt. And then there was like a CrossFit Games athlete that didn't wear a belt on a heavy squat and was like, well, you know, I think it just helps strengthen my midline. Then everyone was like, genius. Yes, of course, <laughs> you shouldn't be wearing a belt. Belts are terrible. <laughs> so it is funny how much it just goes back and forth. And sure. you know, either personalities or social media plays a role in this. But I will say, you know, they if you do know how to use them, they do help you brace for sure if you're bracing properly. But bear in mind, I was checking out some videos on, on lifting today. And somebody did a 585-pound clean and jerk. The 266 kilogram clean jerk, no belt. So it is, it is possible somehow, to lift. Somehow they made it. It. <laughs> it is possible to lift monstrous weight that I can't even deadlift. Yeah. Let me go ahead and clean jerk it without, without a belt. And uh, I will just say, to some part, it also just comes down to what you're comfortable with. Like, I understand what the belt is for. Sure. I understand how to use it. I didn't grow up using one. And when I first got into CrossFit, it was just board shorts and Chuck Taylors. I mean, that's that's mm -hmm. what you worked out in period, end of story. And so I got used to deadlifting and squatting, which I didn't do previous to CrossFit, without a belt. And now, over 16 years later, if I put on a belt, I just don't feel comfortable with the belt. Mm. On. I find it distracting, and that makes me yeah. not focus on the list. So to this day, one rep max, squat, dead, it doesn't matter. I, I don't use a belt. I've never used a belt. Uh, you know, I'm also not the world's most amazing lifter, but I've been perfectly fine by just naturally bracing and strengthening my midline and been getting healthier and fitter for a decade and a half. You know, so it certainly it certainly can be done. Yeah, absolutely. So, yeah, I think belts are, uh, you know, on my, on the boss spectrum of <laughs> probably has a place in the toolkit to man. I don't even know why people are bringing this sort of thing up. I'd say the belt is closer to the practical end of the spectrum. The um, boss, that being said, 
<laughs> the Bosman right. efficacy spectrum. That's so, right. Yeah, exactly. Do you own a belt? I do not currently. I do not own a belt either. And, and I have not for years. I, I'm trying to think the last time that I did own a belt was probably around 2012. So it's been quite a long time uh, that I've been going beltless and um, don't have any plans to uh, change that anytime soon. Yep. And I'll also say that, you know, I have had uh, back issues in the past unrelated to that sort of thing. Um, and I never felt like on the path back to normal function that a belt was a necessary tool to get there. So I think it's important that people don't view it as something that is critical. If you're dealing with back pain or whatever, it's not something that you have to learn how to use in order to get back to mm. a state of normal function. All right, next item on the list, your friend and mine, chalk. Yeah, chalk's a no-brainer. I think it absolutely has a place in everybody's toolkit. I use it all the time. I think most people do. To me, this is just a straight-up safety concern. I mean, my hands get sweaty, especially here in the summer. I moved to the south in the United States uh, earlier this year, and man, when the humidity is cranking and I am just a puddle from the warm-up onwards. You're not in Canada is, anymore. No, yeah, chalk is critical. It's it's what's keeping me on the bar. It's what's keeping me from peeling off the rope when I'm 15 feet up in the air, etc. So I think chalk is one of those things that it's just such a no-brainer. It adds a lot of safety and utility. Um, you don't need it for handstand push-ups. <laughs> you don't need it for <laughs> chalk up for ab mat sit-ups. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I, you know, people like to go a little overboard with it, but used as intended, I think it's a lot of bang for your buck and absolutely has a place in everybody's toolkit. Man, winner of the highly coveted Adrian Bosman That's two right. thumbs up award. <laughs> so it's very rare. It might be the only one on the list. We'll see. <laughs> yeah. Uh, and, and I'm right there with you. You know, helps keep your palms nice and dry, improves grip. It can be a, a safety issue. Uh, I mean, it's, it's just that simple. I've got yep. it in the garage. Me too. And I use it darn near every single time that I come out. But I will say, just in, you know, we're just joking and reminiscing a bit. Back in quote unquote the day, you know, when I was just going in my garage and working out and I hadn't, chalk was a little bit harder to get 16, 17 years ago. And I would just bring one of these things. I don't know if you've heard of it. It's called a towel. I'd bring a towel out <laughs> and I would dry my hands and then I would continue working out. But I will say uh, the chalk is infinitely superior, infinitely superior. Yeah, okay. Absolutely. Next one on the list, wrist wraps. Ooh, the old wrist wrap. And to be clear, we're talking about a wrist wrap that goes around the wrist only. Correct. That people yep. use does for, not. It doesn't know. go over your palm. Yeah, got it. Um, yeah, wrist wraps, I think um, I give them a pass. I think that they've got some utility, especially when you're learning some of these positions in Olympic lifting, uh, front rack position, overhead position, um, especially with the overhead squat if you have to go really wide due to your flexibility uh, in the shoulders and things like that it can be pretty uncomfortable developing the strength in those positions that the, the joints need. So yeah, a little support can go a long way there. I think over time you can start to wean yourself off of them. And it, again, it kind of mirrors my belief with the rest of the stuff that it shouldn't be something that you have to have to train with. Mm -hmm. But I think it can be a really nice kind of luxury to help keep you stable, especially during kind of learning the technique of these things. And um, in some instances, they can be a really big benefit 
uh, during a max load, you know, like a max overhead squat or even a max bench press, something like that. I, I agree. You know, they're useful for achy, painful wrists. I, I would mm-hmm. say if your wrists feel fantastic, I wouldn't say there's any particular reason that you should seek out a set. I didn't have a set when I first got into CrossFit and, and years into CrossFit, I poorly received a clean and just wrenched mm. my hand back. And there's so many little bones in the wrist. It's yep. such a creaky joint that I didn't break it, but I, I had a severe strain to it. But and you it knew took, about it. <laughs> it took forever to heal. Yeah. Like if you tweak a wrist, it could take a long time. So I got a wrist wrap and I wore it for probably longer than I realized. I bet I was in that thing six to nine months, but finally was able to get out of it. And then, but I caught myself doing something peculiar because it came with a set of two. So I wore both wrist wraps, even mm-hmm. though yeah. even though there was nothing wrong with the other wrist until one day I was like, it's just my left wrist. Why do I have one on the right wrist? And I took it off the right wrist. And little by little, yes, I was able to uh, take that thing off and I haven't worn one. That was many years ago and I haven't worn one since. But <clears throat> depending upon what you have going on with your wrist, I do feel like they uh, they may have a, a place there. They're, they're, certainly, they're certainly helpful, but just make sure kind of like in the situation that I was in, it doesn't become a long-term crutch unnecessarily. That's all that I would say. Yeah. And I'll say one thing about the wrist wraps too. You know, you mentioned that the wrist is a really, pretty delicate if you get right down to it. There's a lot of pieces there. It's pretty complex anatomically. And like you said, if you do injure it, it takes a long time to get that thing right. It's just kind of the nature of the beast. And so if you are somebody that is doing a lot of volume of training that requires that Mm. sort of support on the wrist, like you're doing a lot of handstand walk practice or you're doing a lot of overhead lifting uh, multiple days a week, stuff like that, you know, the volume of that is going to impact the smallest part of the chain first. And that often can be the wrist. So that's something to consider too, is the training volume of what you're doing. And if you're really going through a jag where there's a lot there and those little mini little wrist bones are getting beat up a little bit, that can be a real savior. So I do have a couple of those wrist wraps. Um, I haven't used them. I've probably been a year or two since I busted them out, but there was a time there where a lot of people were getting into the manufacturing of them. And, and uh, I had a few people that were nice enough to send me some ones with my name on them and things like that. So I do have a couple of those still kicking around. Oh yeah, it's uh, I think we've all I've got them in in the garage as well, but they're they're covered in dust at the moment, and hopefully they yep. will remain that way because that will mean I haven't done anything to my wrist. Okay, moving from the wrist wraps, next on the list, gymnastics grips. Ooh, this is a fun one because uh, I'm gonna ruffle some feathers here. I think I'm pretty staunchly against them outside of people that are making a run at being a professional CrossFit athlete. Honestly, the rest of us should just learn how to hold on to the pull-up bar in a way that is reasonable (laughs) so that we don't rip. I think that's the best solution. I've been doing CrossFit for longer than you. (laughs) Right, right. (laughs) Not you, Pat, but you, listener. And I'll tell you, the amount of times that I will use hand protection in a workout is effectively zero. And it's because I know how to hang on to a pull-up bar. I know that I don't need to uh, do these monster sets that are going to tear me up, and I can adjust accordingly. Um, And my hands are fine and continue to be. So, yeah, every once in a while, we're talking, you know, every so, I I would say, couple of years maybe, I might have a torn callus in a way that's a little bit 
unfortunate, but it never stops me from training at all. Uh, and I never let it get to the point that it just totally destroys my hands. So to me, the gymnastics grips are relatively unnecessary unless you're making a run at being a competitor. And I stand by that. I know that's an unpopular opinion, but have at it. <laughs> I, I can't wait to read the comments. So <laughs> you said something in there, which, which is useful and beneficial. And uh, a listener might be like, please tell me what you mean by that. Yeah. That you said, hey, I know how to hold on to the pull-up bar or grip it in a way that isn't going to demolish my hands. Can you elaborate on that at all in case somebody's like, please, Absolutely. please tell me what you mean so that I don't rip my hands? Yep. There's two things that you want to consider when you're doing movements on a pull-up bar or even something like, um, I used to do a lot of kettlebell lifting and it's the same idea. So the first concept is there's certain movements where the hand, once it grips the bar, it's not going to move. It should not be rotating around the bar rep after rep after rep. So for example, a pull-up or a toes to bar, something like that. Once your grip is set, there should be really minimal movement on the bar. It shouldn't be a lot of skin sliding around. And for that mm -hmm. reason, there's no mechanism to create a rip. It's when you start to get that rotation rep after rep after rep. And that's going to be exacerbated by chalk because the chalk is going to create more friction against mm -hmm. those surfaces. That's when you're going to start to tear up a lot. So that's, that's concept number one. The second concept, when you're doing a movement that's necessarily going to move your hand around the bar like a bar muscle up um, and I'll, again i'll go back to kettlebell lifting uh, kettlebell cleans and snatches and things like that the skill in that is learning when you need to be fully gripped on the bar and at what point you release that grip slightly to allow for the rotation and then re-grip to finish the movement so if we use the bar muscle up as an example the initial kip i'm going to be gripped pretty hard because that is what's keeping me attached to the bar. But once the momentum has carried me up, I can release the grip a little bit and allow my hand to rotate. And once I'm over top of the bar, then I'm gonna re-grip so that I have a nice strong purchase to lock out. That skill is gonna save my hands because now I don't have this full grip as I'm rotating around where the skin's gonna get caught. So it takes some time to build up that nuance, but it's entirely possible and I'm living proof of that. I won't. I won't use grips almost ever, and rarely am I going to rip my hands. Do you own a set? No. Okay. <laughs> never. I've never owned a set. Uh, and I did gymnastics as a kid, you know? Uh, I, when I was doing gymnastics as a really young kid, I owned a set. But that was because on the that particular apparatus, like the high bar, mm -hmm. you're doing so much rotation and so much training that it's a necessity. Um, but... For CrossFit training, I have never owned a set of gymnastics scripts, and I never plan to. I think that wraps that up nicely. I will say, <laughs> I will say with gymnastics scripts, I also think it's fair to say they work. Sure. So, so that, so that, you know, it, are they a product that is actually does what they say they will do? I think the overwhelming majority, uh, the answer is yes on that. Yep. Then the question becomes: Do most of us recreational athletes need them? I find myself in the same camp as you on this. And, and just because the same deal, I mean, now after many, many, many years and countless pull-ups and bar muscle-ups and all that, I think I had, I had far more rips when I first started CrossFit than I do now. And I don't think my hands are quote-unquote tougher. Maybe that plays into it a little bit as well. But I think I eventually learned 
the techniques that you just spoke about. When I, when I grabbed the bar, what should I be doing with my hands to prevent that? And I became just significantly better at taking care of my hands, you know, mm-hmm. uh, trimming down my calluses, you know, with their big, thick calluses that stick out. You're going to have a, a better chance of that creating a little bit of friction or rubbing in an odd way and then creating some sort of a tear. But if, but when I take care of my hands, if I am heading out into the garage to do Angie, you know, which starts with 100 pull-ups, I'm going to go trim up the calluses before I do that. I'm going to chalk yep. up and I'm going to be utterly and completely good to go. No rips, no nothing, no hot spots, zero, zilch, nothing, and haven't in years and years and years. So it is absolutely possible. You know, the old school way was, Rip, heal, and move on. Now, I'm not saying. I'm <laughs> well, not saying. I, well, and, hey, I would say that to that point, uh, you know, products that would stop that sort of thing, like gymnastics grips, they're pretty specialty at that point, and they weren't really available outside Correct. of like a certain circle. So, you know. But while the old anyway, the old mentality was, hey, suck it up, you know, you rip, right. just bleed on the pull-up bar, heel, <laughs> suck it up, and go on. Because what are you going to do in the real world? Like I so I get all that, pack some chalk in there, <laughs> right? But I guess my point is, for most of us with normal training, it if you take care of your hands and you do what what you just mentioned there a second ago with the gripping of the bar, it won't even be necessary to deal with that rip because ideally it would mm. never have happened in the first place. So right, okay, yeah, I think that's uh. That's that. Oh, and then, okay, so we talked wrist wraps, then we talked gymnastics grips, and now there's an item that can do, you can do kind of either one of those with, and that's tape. Tape, yeah, I, I lump top, uh, tape, top, uh, I was trying to say chalk and tape at the same time there. I lump tape in the same realm as chalk. I think it's a low-cost, high-benefit piece of gear that everybody can have kicking around. You could just keep it in your pocket as you show up the train. You don't need to have a, an extra backpack for it. And I think there's a ton of utility there. I, um, I like to tape my thumbs and my pinkies, just like a single wrap once around when I'm doing Olympic lifting uh, for high reps. I find that it just keeps me a little bit more in the game. Um, and those, it's interesting for all my talk about not ripping my hands, if I am going to get some irritation, it's going to be when I do high rep Olympic lifting okay. on my thumbs and specifically my pinkies. I, I can't quite figure out why that is. Uh, I've tried a bunch of different grips over the years and I just can't seem to avoid it. So what are you going to do? But it's literally just a once around. It's not a huge tape job. I don't look like I'm going in for a pro fight uh, when I'm done with it. And it it saves me a lot of hassle. So for that reason, I think uh, tape is is highly effective and worth having in your toolkit. I'll also say that it serves as a really great substitute for a wrist wrap. If you are, like I said, your, your wrists are getting beat up due to a high volume stretch of training or they're feeling a little bit funky, just a single semi-tight wrap around the wrist can really keep you in the game. Uh, and so it's worth considering. So you can, you can do a lot with a little with the tape. So I like tape. Yeah, 100%. And you kind of touched on, but you could use tape to exactly mimic a wrist wrap, or you can get creative and make something for your palm that looks like gymnastics grips, but you're doing it out of tape. And I would just say, if if you think you're going to be taping your wrists long term because you tweak something or you're making these gymnastics grips out of the tape on a regular basis, that's probably going to be more, you're going to go through a ton of tapes, probably is more cost effective to buy a darn set of wrist wraps or buy a set of gymnastics grips, if that's the route that you're going. But 
if you just don't know that the rest wrist felt a little cranky this day, like you're saying, you just got to roll a In tape a laying around, you're good to go. Yep. Good okay. To go. Now the caveat to tape, here's where it gets, let's again, get to the feather ruffling. <laughs> the utility of tape is what I just described. A single wrap here or there around the thumbs, maybe around the wrists, maybe around the palms. That's about as much benefit as I'm going to give the old tape. If we're talking this like tiger stripe, tape up and down the spine. Now I got an exoskeleton happening. <laughs> right. <laughs> that's, that's, that's a different world. This. That's a completely different thing. And in my opinion, that is totally unnecessary for the average person. Uh, and I'd probably go so far as to say that even for most people in the competitive realm, it's, it's way overhyped uh, for what it is. So that's my opinion on that. I expect some internet wrath for that one. Somebody's going to point out how wrong I am on that sure. one, and that's fine. But I stand by it. I don't think that the uh, tape exoskeleton has much utility anywhere. Uh, hey, I, I'm actually with you on that one for sure. I'm 100%. All right, so moving from tape, now we're not quite done with the wrist hand area yet, but this is our last one. Man, complicated Lift joint. <laughs> lifting straps. Okay, here we go. Yeah, <laughs> I think lifting straps, the only utility that I really see for them is uh, for athletes that choose to specialize in lifting. Mm -hmm. That's it. Because it again, it comes down to the reality of training with a high volume. Correct. If you yep. know that you're going to be doing a ton of pulling exercises again and again, and to be to be clear, these are the type of straps that you wrap around the bar and they wrap around your wrist. Yes. And they effectively take the weight out of your hands so that you don't have to rely on your grip strength to lift the load. Correct. So for somebody who's got, you know, endless days of pulling exercises, they're doing a lot of Olympic lifting and that's what they want to focus on or they're doing a ton of deadlifting or strongman. Or accessories, you know, clean pulls yeah. and things of that and nature. Exactly. And, and that's their focus is these specialized avenues. Yeah, it makes sense because you don't want to have the larger, stronger muscles be limited as you fatigue by the smaller muscles of the, of the grip and the forearm. So mm -hmm. once that goes away, you, you still might need more training effect out of those bigger movers. And so the straps have a place there. But again... For those of us that are interested in just general fitness, like myself, I don't think they have a place in the bag at all. I think you need to have enough grip strength to hang on to these things. I think that for most of us, it's not the limiting factor. And if it is, it needs to get stronger anyway. So for the generalist, for the CrossFit athlete, I give a thumbs down to the lifting strap. Yeah, I don't think most recreational CrossFit athletes need them. And like you said, there's there's plenty of grip strengthening we do in just our workout of the day. And then if you need to do a bit extra, hey, fire up some bar hangs, some farmer's carries, mm. you know, some plate pinches. There's things you can certainly do to to fire that up for sure. Yep. Okay. Do you moving. own a pair? Hold on. Let's go. Do you own a pair of those? I own a pair, but I got yeah. them for free. Is okay. you know, <laughs> somebody somebody gave them to me and I appreciate yeah. I appreciate it. it was a kind gesture, but I I don't use them. Yeah, I same thing. I I got a pair. I think somebody gifted them to me. Uh, this is years and years ago, and I actually might have regifted them uh, now that I think about it. But I I had them, and I like to dabble. So when I received them, I played around with them a little bit, and then after the first week or two, I was like, ah, I'm done with these, and never really pulled them out again. I think mine are a really cool neon color. They're very visually oh. appealing. You know, oh, but, nice. But yeah, they stay they stay in the bin in the garage. All right. Okay, now moving down the body. 
knee sleeves. The old knee sleeve. Well, I feel like I, you know, being the slightly younger one of the duo here, that maybe <laughs> <laughs> maybe you should go first on this one. But I can, uh, I can do I can do that if you want. <laughs> okay, yeah. Why don't you take this one first, and then I'll bring up the rear on it. So I find knee sleeves to offer to be minimal with regards to support. You know, if we're talking about actual sure. support of the joint. I feel that is a, a minimal benefit to knee, knee sleeves. There's some compression offered, of course, depending upon how snug they are. They feel nice. They provide some warmth to the covered area. And warm knees are generally better feeling knees as far as I'm concerned. Depending upon who you're listening to, they'll say that, you know, that some studies have been done. They help increase blood flow to the covered area. I cannot confirm this. Um, in that warmer area, improved Blood flow, blood flow helps keep the knee joint moving well. That makes you feel better during the workout. Uh, I don't know if that's true or some sort of a placebo effect, but you know, certainly uh, you're going to see that out there. I will also will say, while these are a beloved piece of gear from, I would say, a very large number of the crossfitting population, even in the recreational realm, I do not use them. I don't... I. I've just I've had them on before. I know what they feel like. I've tried them out. I will say the only time that I throw a set of knee sleeves on is if I'm doing weighted walking lunges and I'm just going to be having my knee, you know, ideally not bonk off the ground. But just in case I go down on a little bit on the more aggressive side, I like having a little bit of neoprene there to make sure that my patella doesn't <laughs> smash into a rock on the driveway. And so I was going to make a joke about uh, that's the time that you quadruple them up, right? You're uh, yeah, walking exactly. lunges, you just put four in there, so your range doesn't have to be quite exactly. as deep. <laughs> yeah, and I'll just, uh, if I'm doing other things in the workout, even if it involves squatting, uh, well, I don't know why I'd be squatting and doing lunges, but my point is I'll slide them down on my shins because I, I just don't personally like them on my, my knees most of the time. Then I'm going to go out to the lunges, I pull them up, do the lunges, I pull them back down. That's That's all... I, I use them for, and I don't use them regularly for squatting or, or anything else, but I feel like I might actually be in the minority on that. Again, I think they are a beloved yeah. piece of gear. Yeah, I think a lot of people like them for the reasons you outlined, and I do think that there's some legitimacy to keeping, the, keeping an area of the body with kind of limited circulation, keeping it warm. I think that is good for the fluid within the joint capsule, the blood flow, all of that. I, I think that's legitimate. Um, and so, yeah, it can help to keep the, uh, the groove happening there in the old joint. I also think that there's lots of people that mask a poor technique or poor flexibility with a knee sleeve because it makes them, quote, feel better when they're doing the movement, but they haven't taken the time to address the movement itself. Mm. So I, I'm lucky enough that my flexibility is is pretty good to the point where it's almost detrimental sometimes because I'm too flexible for some <laughs> things and I have to learn to control the position. Um, regardless, though, I, it, I think it's easy for people to just slap on the knee sleeves and not think twice because it makes you feel better. But if that's being used to band-aid the real situation then you've got to watch out because long-term that's not going to play out well. So I don't have a pair of knee sleeves. I've never needed them. And honestly, I just so accustomed to not using them that when I have put them on, they just feel awkward. Right. And I, I find that like you said earlier with, I can't remember what it was, the uh, belt. Um, yes. Yeah. It, 
I find it distracting. So I just have never gotten in the habit of training with them and currently do not own a pair. Two items left. All right. This, we're Ooh, still my on the knee. I think there's a couple of my favorites coming up. <laughs> we're still on the knee. This is, so we talked about knee sleeves. Now this is knee wraps. Oh yeah. This is an easy one. For me, these have no place inside the generalist toolkit. The knee wrap is something that is there. Um, I mean, it obviously offers some mechanical stability because the idea is you just hold that thing together with a tight wrap. So there is no question that it provides stability to the joint. Um, but it really is a specialty application for people that are lifting loads that are astronomical. Mm -hmm. For the average person squatting, deadlifting, clean and jerking, I don't think knee wraps really have a place in the toolkit. Um, and the, there's just a pragmatism there too, where if you've legitimately wrapped your knees or your elbows for that matter, same, same thing mm -hmm. applies, uh, it's really task specific and you realize really quickly, you're like, well, once I get those couple of reps done, I'm not doing anything else. You sure. cannot transition from one exercise to another to another with that sort of setup. So I think for that reason, it's just not useful for most of us. And if somebody at home doesn't realize, yes, there is a difference between knee sleeves and knee yeah. wraps, a little Google exactly. search can check that out for you. Like you said, very common in powerlifters performing very heavy squats. And, you know, the belief behind them is that they have some elasticity in the fabric there that you tightly wrap, you know, above and below the knee joint there. And that's going to, you know, quote unquote, store some energy in the downward phase that will, you know, the knee, want, it wants to straighten out the knee. And so therefore, it will help you come out of the bottom of the hole. And I'm with you, though, for we're talking the generalist, the recreational crossfitter. I wouldn't see any need at all to have these in your toolkit. I think that's probably, we can put a bow on that one. Yeah. Final piece of equipment. <laughs> is this the bonus? I think I've been waiting for this one. This is, this is the bonus. Mouth guards. Oh boy. Oh boy. This is another one where undoubtedly there's going to be some comments telling me how wrong that I am. And that's, that's fine. I don't know that I'm going to be wrong necessarily. But I do have a strong opinion on this. And uh, to me, you can chalk this up under totally unnecessary. Um, I'm sure that maybe there are some legitimate claims that it can increase your power output slightly or that it can create a more efficient way for you to breathe or whatever the claims are that are being I'll, made I'll you, from I'll some of these. I'll tell you what the, the claims uh, increase, okay. in, increase in strength, yep. faster recovery, Ooh. increased Hmm, increased endurance sense, but okay and just right. overall body alignment well there you go so uh sure some of those may have some credibility some of them i'm gonna question a little bit point being is this is one of those scenarios where i think athletes get funny they get to a point in their training where things have slowed down a little bit they've gone past the beginner stage of easy gains every time you're showing up to the gym takes a little bit more dedicated effort over a longer period of time to continue seeing progress. And so they start looking for other elements to invest some, some time in. And, you know, at the end of the day, you spend a couple of bucks, you put something in during your training. It's not that big of a sacrifice. So, hey, if that's the difference maker, I at least should roll the dice on it. That's the mentality anyway. Mm -hmm. And I don't think that really has a place again with the generalist. I think it's a uh, just not necessary. Um, and I also think this is one of those elements that becomes 
just a gateway to all sorts of other stuff that you end up psychologically feeling like you need to train. Mm-hmm. And sooner or later, you're, you're in that camping trip mentality that I described, where you're just showing up to a regular old CrossFit workout, but in your mind, you have to bring a backpack full of stuff with you in order to get the job done. And I don't like that mentality at all. I think that you should be training for drop out of bed and get it done. Maybe that's not the preference. Maybe that's not always the ideal. But if it has to happen that way, you should be ready for it. I'm with you. I mean, how could I not be with you on this one, quite frankly? I mean, I couldn't look <laughs> I myself I couldn't look myself in the mirror if I if I had a different opinion on this one. Uh, but, but we also framed it that I, I think it is talking CrossFit generalists. I mean, I think we're having a different discussion if you're a, a power lifter looking to pull 800 pounds off the ground, you're clenching your mouth so strong, you're probably going to turn your molars into dust. You know, that's something different. Or you're yeah. one of the world's strongest men looking to get under a 1,000 pound yoke and move at 50 feet, none of which we're doing. Okay. I mean, there's this, so mm-hmm. the recreational, the general CrossFitter, absolutely 100% with you on that. And and the claims that I said a second ago, I'm, I'm sure there's studies that have been done that support that. And, I'm, and, and I don't get as excited as I used to about a study. That's the outcome. Fair. Kind of, you know, there's, there's plenty of things that had wonderful studies done that, lo and behold, didn't quite pan out how, uh, mm. how they thought it would. So I'm, I'm very staunchly with you on this, that I don't have a mouth guard in my repertoire. And if you ever see me wearing one, you need to tackle me and use some of your Brazilian jiu-jitsu <laughs> skills and just remove it from me. <laughs> <laughs> oh man, I tell you, it's funny. The uh, concept that keeps playing through my mind can be best summarized. Um, and I'm, I'm spacing on the quote, or at least the uh, owner of the quote, so I can't attribute it. But you guys out there on the internet can look it up. And uh, the quote goes something like this, beware activities that require a new wardrobe. And mm. I agree with that most of the time. So mm-hmm. most of the time, yeah, for sure. <laughs> Well, and, uh, you content? Any parting thoughts? No, not at all. I mean, obviously, to the listeners out there, your mileage will vary and your circumstances are unique. So don't take this as the only approach. Like I said in the beginning, I'm much more of a pragmatist. So my opinion is that most of this stuff, you don't need it. Um, yes. However, there is a time and a place. So don't discard all of those things if they are there within your training for a purpose and they have helped you. But just take stock of why you're doing what you're doing when you get into the gym. Well, I think in summary, the word need, the actual real definition of the word need is helpful here. And I would say in any mm. of these things that we mentioned, if you need it, well, then use it. But if you don't need it, try not to unnecessarily use it. Like it's just, I mean, can, it's literally that simple. And the truth of the matter is there are millions and millions of people getting very fit every day using none of the items on this list. So that is actual real world living proof that it can be done. Now, the devil's advocate is, okay, Pat, well, there's millions of people not using it, but would they be fitter (laughs) if they did use it? And that's why we have these discussions. That's why we have these podcasts and roundtables. That's why we want to hear what you have to say in the comments below, you know, so again, if you're listening to this in an audio format, thank you. Go to the BTWB YouTube channel, find this episode, post your comments there, 
Adrian and I, we've done a lot of things, interacted with a lot of people, have to do a lot of research for our various occupations over the years, but that is in no way, shape, or form saying that we know everything. We're just giving you our best information based upon <laughs> everything that has crossed our paths over the years. We try to shoot you straight. That's the goal of these things. So let us know what you think and whether you choose to use one of these pieces of gear or not, just make an informed decision. That's really the best, the best advice that I can give you. So that's it. That's the gear episode for Adrian Bosman. I'm Pat Sherwood. Thanks for your support, and we will see you next time.